on your outline. Point number one, the crowd, they went looking for Jesus. This crowd went looking for Jesus. After feeding the 5,000 people, Jesus went off by himself to get away, to be by himself, to pray probably with his Father in heaven. While his disciples, what did they do? They set out on a boat across the Sea of Galilee. Why? Again, John doesn't tell us why. John just tells us what's happening or what happened. And then Jesus goes out to them and he's walking on the water. You know, I read about that this week and I thought about that. We can be a bit envious of the apostles, can't we? It's okay. They got to see Jesus do great miracles. They saw him multiply bread and fish. They saw him walking on water. How amazing must that have been, right? Oh my goodness, how that must have been riveting to see their Lord and Savior walking on the water on the Sea of Galilee. Hmm. We can be a little envious of that. Now look at verse 24 with me again, 24 and 25. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? The crowd goes looking for Jesus. They went looking to find him. Notice when they found him, what did they refer to him as? Rabbi. That just simply means teacher in English language, teacher. A rabbi is someone who's qualified, someone who's been approved to talk about and to teach the Jewish law, the law of Moses. So he was able to do that, and so they recognized his ability to teach about the law of Moses, their teachings, their religious beliefs, and what they felt they had to do. And this is how they viewed Jesus as a, an approved, as a qualified teacher of their laws. That's obvious the crowd wanted to be with Jesus. They went looking for him, a large group of them. And that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing to go seeking for Jesus, to seek God. But look again at verse 26. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus told the crowd they weren't looking for him for the right reasons. He told them, you're looking for, for me to, to feed you another meal. You want another free lunch. Look at verse 27. It says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you on him. God the Father has placed his seal of approval. I love that statement John puts in there, that the Father has put his seal of approval on Jesus. It's very reassuring to me. You know, we look for those seals of approval, don't we? It used to be a big thing uh, years ago. It's not so much anymore. Now it's the warranty and the guarantee and all that. But the seal of approval says that somebody else says this was a good product. This is something good, something worthwhile, worth investing yourself in. And Jesus has that from the Father. Amen. Wow. And Jesus told the crowd, he told those people that went looking for him, They'd miss the point. You missed everything that I tried to teach you the day before. The point wasn't that Jesus could feed them food. That's easy. That's easy for the creator of the universe, right? Multiplying fish, multiplying bread, that's easy. But he wanted to do something greater than simply multiplying some fish and bread. Something much greater than that. If all we want from Jesus is the things of this world, this life, we're settling for too little, friends. We're settling for too little because that's easy for Jesus. It's nothing for Jesus 
to multiply bread and fish. I don't know about you, but I want a lot more from Jesus than bread and fish. I'll take the bread and fish, yes. I want a lot more than just food or money or even good health. I want Jesus. Amen? Can you say that? Amen. I want Jesus because if I have Jesus, everything else will be taken care of. Everything else will be taken care of because God will take care of me. He'll meet my needs. He'll watch over me. He'll do that for you too. I am not so special that he won't do the same thing for you that he does for me. And he wants to do that. The Bible says in Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. I want God's love, don't you? Yeah, I want God's love for me. I want God's love for my family. I want God's love for my church. I want the church to experience God's love. Now, I thank God and Jesus for material blessings that I have, and I've been blessed. I have food in my house. I have clothes to wear. I have cars to drive. I have money in the bank. I have a house to live in. But these are all just things. These are easy to get today. I thank God for my family, for my life with Anna and our kids and grandkids now. But I don't think I had to have any of those things or any of them without Jesus. I don't think I would. I was pretty rough before I became a believer. I don't think I'd have any of those things. I didn't have any of those things before. I met Jesus and it changed my life. I want Jesus and so should you because of something Jesus once said, something that is eternal. Something that's not temporary or passing. In John 6, verse 44 and 45, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So God speaks to our spirit through the Spirit. He speaks to us and draws us to Christ. And then Jesus says, And I will raise him up at the last day. That's why you should want Jesus. Because he wants to raise you up on the last day so you'll be with him forever. And that's what makes Jesus worthwhile. Not the things that he can give us. It's the fact that we can actually be with him for eternity. And that might seem like a long ways off for some of us. That might seem like, you know, I I just can't really grasp that right now. I want to get through school. I want to finish high school. I want to do something with my life. But friend, I'll tell you what, eternity comes fast. The days might go by slow, but the years go by fast. Isn't that true? That's true. Amen. The crowd wasn't there yet. They didn't quite understand all of this. They didn't understand Jesus. Point number two in your outline this morning is the crowd thought works would save them. The crowd thought works would save them. And this is true for every generation of people. We all start here. We all think we've got to do something to save ourselves. We've got to do something to make ourselves better. Look at verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Man, that's a great question. We have this idea ingrained in us, in our thinking from the very beginning, that we have to do something to earn salvation, something to earn this relationship with God, that we have to behave a certain way first, and then God will take us in that we have to obey certain rules of morality or certain rules of right conduct. And Jesus said, stop doing all that. Just stop doing those things. Stop trying to do it yourself because you can't. Do this instead, he said, verse 29. Look at verse 29. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You know, friends, you can't get any simpler than that, can you? 
to believe in the one that God has sent. That's what we have to do. Now, that sounds very, very simple, very, very uh, easy as far as, oh, okay, I'll just do that. There's a lot more to it than that. Amen? There's a lot more to it, to the relationship than just saying, I believe. It means you've got to accept him into your life. You've got to give him your life. Let him have control of your life, of your days. Let him use you in his plan to save others. To use you and your resources to feed other people spiritually and physically. Isn't it funny, though, how people don't listen? Isn't that funny? Anybody got kids? Anybody got grandkids? Yeah. I'm... I kind of, my kids grew up and I kind of forgot about this. But kids don't listen very well, do they? They don't. I mean, we have grandkids now. We have a four-year-old, a one-year-old, and a little over, not quite two months, right? A little over two months. Okay, so I'm not keeping up there either. They don't listen. They want to do what they want to do. And that's the way this crowd was. The crowd was this way. And let's be honest, sometimes you and I, we're not that way either, are we? Are we, Bill? No. <laughs> I knew you'd be an honest man. Honest Baptist in church on Sunday. All right, we found one. Good deal. Yeah, the, we're like this crowd as well. Jesus just told them he would give them eternal life if they simply listened to him. Let's go back to verse 27 one more time. He says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures eternal life which the Son of Man will give you on him. God, has, the Father, has placed his seal of approval. Then what do they ask him to do? What do we got to do to do the work that God requires? They didn't listen. They weren't paying attention. The work God requires is that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we put our lives in his hands because Jesus has been approved by the Father. He is approved. That's why Romans 3.28 says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith, from apart from observing the law. That we are saved, that we are right with God by faith in Jesus, not by observing the law, not by obeying rules that often are more man-made than they are God-made. Salvation is achieved not by what we do for God, but what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. This is important. Isn't it? Amen? This is important. Realizing, understanding, accepting that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and mine. That he rose up from the grave and overcame death and sin for you and for me. In Romans 14, verse 9, the Bible says, For this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So when we pass on before that trumpet call, that trump, last trumpet sounds the Bible talks about, in Revelation and and First Thessalonians, if we are gone, we're going to be okay because He's the Lord of the dead. Those who've gone on to be with the, with God for this very reason, He died and returned alive, so that He might be Lord of both living and dead. And then He begins to explain to the crowd, to the crowd who He is. I like this about Jesus. He doesn't just say pithy little things and walk away. He explains Himself. Point number three on your outline this morning, Jesus said he's the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Hearing that faith was necessary to know God, or we would say to be saved, 
they asked Jesus a question. Man, it's a great question. Look at verse 30. Verse 30. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? This is a great question. This is a question generations of people have asked about Jesus ever since he went back to heaven. What proof is there to believe in Jesus Christ? People today are asking that question. People today living in Lawrence, Kansas, are asking this very same question. What proof do you offer that proves to me, that shows me that Jesus is who he says he is? These people, they they were Jewish, so they use the example from Exodus, that when God answered the people's demand, the people didn't just ask in prayer. They demanded food because they had none. And so he gave them food as a sign. It was called manna or bread from heaven. Look at verse 31. Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they cite that bread, the manna, as a sign. And they ask Jesus, what sign do you have? Oh, how quickly people forget. Just the day before, what had Jesus done? What he had done the day before, what did he do? He took those five small loaves of bread, those two little fish from the boy, he gave them to the crowd and he fed that entire crowd of people, a minimum of 5,000 people. They either weren't paying attention to what Jesus did then, or they quickly forgot the miracle Jesus had done to feed them. They focused on being fed, not on the miracle that provided the food. Isn't that amazing? Oh, how quickly people forget. What more did Jesus need to do? What more did he need to do for them to believe that Jesus can do what he says he can do? The problem is not that Jesus needs to prove himself again and again. That's not the problem. He's already done everything we need for to believe in him, to trust in him. And the Bible and history both tell us what Jesus did. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2 to 6. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you believe in vain. For what I received I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of them whom are still living. 1 Corinthians 15, verse the entire chapter, is built on what the Bible says, on what Jesus did, and on history. History and the Bible work together to show us who Jesus is and what he did. Why is there a church in the world today? Because of what Jesus did on the cross and in the tomb three days later. And he did it all according to the word of God that prophesied or foretold about it hundreds of years before it ever happened. Hundreds of years Years before Jesus was ever born, God had said, look, watch for these things. When they come true, you'll know who the Messiah is. You'll know who the Savior is. And he did that. And 1 Corinthians even tells us that there are hundreds of people alive at the time that Paul wrote this, 30-some years later. History and the Bible work together to tell us who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, that he is approved by God to be the Savior of the world. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus told them that he is the bread. 
they really needed. Not the bread that little boy brought to that meeting. Jesus is the bread. But they really needed physical, they needed spiritual food more than they needed physical food. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will sustain you, both physically and spiritually. He will feed you, feed you over and over and over. And more importantly, he'll do it forever. In John 6, verse 40, listen to what Jesus said. For my Father's will is everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What are we looking forward to? The last day. That's what the church is waiting on. That's what the church is praying for, should be anyway. We're waiting on the last day when God returns, his son comes back, and we are reunited with him in heaven forever. Wherever you're at with God today, I don't know where you're at. All of you are different. All of you have your own lives. Wherever you're at, maybe you're a seeker. You're beginning to hear God's voice drawing you to Christ. Maybe you're a long-term believer who's struggling in your faith. Or maybe you're just beginning to check out the Christian faith. Maybe you're just thinking about becoming a Christian. I want to encourage you to listen to God. Just listen to God. Let God speak to you. I believe he still speaks to people today, don't you? Amen? That's right, he does. To help them believe and to trust in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is approved as their Savior and Lord too. Our invitation song today is Just As I Am. It's a great song, amen? Yeah, it reminds us that God accepts us as we are, but it also tells us that he loves us so much he won't leave us the way we are, that he really wants us to be born again. I don't know what God's saying to you right now. Maybe God is speaking to you, and I hope he is. I want him to. I want you to hear him. Let's stand and pray. Maybe God is saying that he wants you to join this church. You've been coming for a while, and, and uh, he wants you to join this church fellowship, be part of this family. Maybe he wants you to come up and, Ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord, but you don't know how to do that. I'd love to help you do that. Come forward as we sing the song. Or maybe you need to come pray. You can come pray with me or come pray by yourself. Before we go to the Lord's Supper, let's get right with Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that the table is here today, that um, You wish to feed us, and You wish to bless us with food, physical food as well as spiritual food. And we know that you're wanting to speak to each person that's here today. Lord, would you do that? Would you help us push everything aside, the things that are going on in life that are consuming us? Would you help us, Lord, to hear your voice? Take us just as we are, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.